0: We've got a a guest about to join us. Is that the one that was promised? Indeed we do. The very same. The the very same. same, Okay. Uh, Daniel McBreen um, uh, is someone who we've been hearing on on television uh, commentary for for quite some time. The thing that that I didn't realise until recently is that he's not not an Australian. He's a POM. (laughs) Born in Burnley, no less. Daniel McBreen, welcome to State of Our Football Nation.
1: Well, thanks for having me, and I hope you can uh, embrace the fact that I've been here for about 45 <laughs> years and six months of my 45 <laughs> years and seven months life, so I'd like to say I'm an
2: Australian over cash. Uh,
0: but... Mate, we understand. No, we we, we need it
2: to be as controversial as possible early on. Daniel, as someone with Scottish heritage, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not sure I can look past it. I'm going <laughs> to have to keep it in mind until my dying day.
0: Hey, Daniel, Welcome aboard. Thanks for having me.
2: Uh, it's a delight
0: for us because it's an opportunity to um, get, get behind the scenes, to, to find out just how life has changed for you from your playing days, of course, then, of course, from some of the coaching that you've done over over the years. Is this a completely new role? Was this something that you were aiming to uh, to sort of put on the CV early on or, or is it something that came late to you and you went, you know what, it's there Let's see what I can do with it.
1: it to be honest, probably the latter. Uh, <laughs> I never really thought that I'd be involved in television. And uh, to be honest, near the end of my career, I wasn't really that thing, focused on coaching either. And it wasn't until a couple of chats with uh, coaches at the time and went down that path and just got a call out of the blue at the time from Fox Sports. I'd had done a little bit of radio and they said, do you want to come on? And I had no idea what I was doing. And some was, <laughs> I still don't know what I'm doing seven years later. Uh, but it just sort of grew and has gone along and I've got more into it and, and really enjoyed it. And this last six months or, or, or 12 months really and then coming on full-time now, it's, um, I can't say that I, I couldn't really be enjoying it anymore.
0: Look, uh, for Channel 10, uh, for Paramount+, Plus; it's also a new caper and they're, they're getting better at what they do. And I've noticed that this year they've, uh, they've put up a very clear sign that there'll be no ads during the game which was something that uh, annoyed the hell out of uh, some football fans last year and it's in what was 10 and Paramount Plus's first uh, opportunity to showcase the game as the uh, host broadcasters. So that's exciting. So we're now going to have no ads uh, wall to wall. It'll happen only during the preferred breaks, which is halftime, of course, and before the game and after the game. Um, You should be excited about that. You'll be on call for the entire 90-plus minutes.
1: Well, that's it. No respite for us. No respite. The whole game, yeah. But, um, look, I think that's something that um, everyone sat down and decided it wasn't probably conducive to football. Yeah. Um, and, And I think they made the right decisions on there. And, look, I think this year it's going to be a little bit easier in respect to last year we thought we got past that COVID and then it came and reared its ugly head again and Correct. all of a sudden games left right and centre and we had you know 24 to 48 hours notice and no one really knew um, when games were coming on. But at least it, we now we know we're structured, the season's been planned out and I think it's going to be a great season. It's been some, some really good signings and um, I think there's a lot to look forward to this year.
0: There's some exciting names um, and one of them has captured our imagination and he plays for the Central Coast Mariners, or he will for a few more. For the time being. For a few well, more matches. enjoy the, uh, the farewell we're, we're, tour. I was going to say, um, how excited are you to see someone so young uh, be able to basically, with the, almost the minimum of fuss, um, cut a swathe through our football excitement? Uh, he's just lit a fuse, hasn't he? Young Garen Quolle.
1: Yep, he has. Um, You know, his brother went before him through the Mariners and then off to Germany. But if we thought there was someone who might come through with a little bit more swagger and arrogance and a little bit more um, cockiness in him, well, we found him in Gurang because he's just set the the game on fire towards the end of last season and really topped it off at the end of last year when he played against Barcelona for the All-Stars and tore them apart and nearly scored a couple of goals in in another cameo. But the guy hasn't started a game of football yet in professional football. I think he's played 200 minutes all up. Mm. Um, I think he had five games off the bench, scored four goals. Now he's marked with a Socceroos appearance as well where he – showed his electricity in that as well. But it's been a mediatic rise for him. Um, You know, he's got a lot to learn. And we saw Graham Arnold talking about him saying he's raw, he's got talent, but he needs a lot of work to, which is to be expected. He's 18 and he's hardly played um, a lot of minutes in football. So I think he's probably in the best spot there to be with Nick Montgomery, who's dealt with a lot of young guys coming through, has played at the top level in the UK, so understands what it means to to get there and what you need to do to stay there as well. So I think I'm pretty sure he'll be on the phone to Newcastle United in the Premier League saying, right, how do we manage this over the next four, five, six months, whatever it is, and also through the World Cup. Uh, and so he can be at his best physical space when he gets over there. I'm sure he'll be lent out to another country, particularly maybe Portugal or something like that. But it's it'll be an interesting to watch. I think he could be a real excitement machine for not only for us to watch through his club career, but for the Socceroos going forward.
0: Uh, Daniel McBreen is our guest on uh, State of Our Football Nation on FNR, George Stenikian along with Lockie Flanagan. And Daniel, can you give me, uh, um, and especially for those who haven't seen too much of <laughs> Karen Qual, which is probably the entire football community, what are the electric gifts that make him so special? Because for me, the thing that I couldn't believe, especially when he was introduced for the second game uh, against New Zealand, Every time the ball went anywhere near him there was no fuss there was no uh, you know uh, outlandish uh, movement he just breezed from one end of the field to the other minimum of fuss laid on a pass created a goal and he was prepared to do it every time he got the ball what is it what are the special gifts that make him so dangerous and so exciting
1: well obviously he's got talent technical ability, the ability to run with the ball. He can finish, as we saw at the end of last season. Yep. Some of the finishing he had, you know, it was just snap finishing, quick decisions. He's got that ability, but he's extremely fast. But I think the thing that's put him in good stead, he's got this arrogance where it's, he doesn't matter. It, to him, he's, he said it when he played against Barcelona. And he said, one day I know I'm going to play at that level or, oh. or around the players. <laughs> and I think it's just the, the belief in himself and the directness that... I don't care who I'm playing against. I don't know. Don't worry about telling me who they are. I'm just going to go out and play because he has that unbridled passion that I'm good enough to whoever you put me against. And he's direct and he believes in himself. And with that technical ability as well, it's a joy to watch.
0: It is a joy to watch. Uh, I've been watching an awful lot of football over the uh, the course of my life. And I got very excited when I saw the arrival of young Daniel Azani. Uh, Then I saw young Marco Tillio and I thought they were two outstanding young men uh, who had promising careers ahead. Of course, we realized Daniel got injured and that injuries are always the greatest uh, challenge to each and every player because they behave differently. And and some injuries, uh, you know, you can get over them pretty quickly. Some linger for quite some time. But this young man is quite something else again. And I think that it's, it's that calmness that makes him even more dangerous. You know, in, in, on, on television, and the big screen, they say stillness is a gift. Well, he's got it on the field.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I think that comes with his belief. Uh, he just believes in himself so much. There's no, you know, I'm sure that he does feel nerves when he gets uh, goes out into games, yep. but you would never believe it by looking at him because he just has that unwavering belief uh, that he, he, he will do it. And every time he's stepped onto the park so far, he has electrified it. He has sparked the interest of the crowd and he's dazzled um, defenders uh, who haven't been able to cope with him. And when you think he's 18 and played, what, two and a half, two, 230 minutes... Let's see him in a couple of years when he's, um, you know, got a little bit more minutes under his belt and a little bit more experience. Well, the, the sky's the limit.
0: You know, you, just as you uh, created that, that thought for me, I was reminded of my early days playing golf. And I can remember playing against some uh, really young golfers who were seriously talented. And on the putting greens, they were absolutely fearless. And I remember – Going back and playing some golf with these guys 10 years later and their, their putting had not uh, matured, it had actually deteriorated because they started overthinking. Is that something that we always fear with, with players as they come into the game? That they are given so many things to think about that they lose their way?
1: I think so. I think, you know, each player uh, is different. Uh, and coaches need to manage that. And, you know, there's some players who want to know every detail of how we want to play the game (laughs) and where do I be when when this is happening. Other players, you need to just say, just go and do what you do. Don't Mm. overcomplicate it. You know, this is the team structure. But within that, you go and excite and do what you want to do. And Garang is one of those guys. I think Monty would probably say, go out there and score me a goal. (laughs) As simple as that, you know. Uh, And that's that's the, the... the task of the of the manager and I think Monty's done a really good job in that he's got a lot of young players and a lot of senior players mixed in together and he needs to manage which ones to say, you've got this, this, this and this to do, and which one to say, go go and go and play. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, Monty, along with the the rest of us, are, are going to get to uh, enjoy Garang for a final few weeks on on the the Garansky farewell tour. That's what I'm calling it. It at starts least.
0: on the on the F. What is it? The F three. F three derby. Yes. Yeah. Wow.
2: But I'm I'm curious to get your your take, Daniel, on on the Mariners more broadly going into the start of this season because we, we know that he's going to be on the way out. They've still got Jason Cummings, but they have lost his sort of partner in crime in Marco Aranu. What what do you make of them going into the the new campaign?
1: Look, Marco arena for me is a big loss. Uh, he did an amount of work for them last season, so I think you know losing them is always going. Losing him, sorry, is going to be a big loss for them. But you know they've gone out and they've signed a couple of players. You know they've brought Danny Vukovic has come back in goals. Which He's is, class, class. Uh, mm, yeah, I think that's a massive signing uh, with the experience he he will have into the change room. The new captain of the club with Matty Simon retiring, so there's another loss. Wow. Uh, he'll still be involved in the, in in the backroom staff, so. They'll have him around because he's such a good club person. But, look, Monty's so, he's had one season and so far from what he, his signings that he's made and this preseason results. And I speak to Monty on a regular basis, obviously, ex-teammate of mine. And every time I speak to him after a preseason game, I say, mate, that's another good result. You've done well there. And he keeps, he keeps saying, okay, will you shut up? Pre-season results, you don't get points. It's just another game. And I yeah, keep yeah. saying, yeah, but it builds confidence. And he keeps trying to talk it down. But I can't keep talking him up enough. I think he's done a great job last year. Uh, we'll have to wait and see how the signings come in. And Marco Tullio and Paula Yongo, the strikers, who was brought in, how they settle and how they fit in. But look, in pre-season, like I said, they, um, they've been getting good results. It's pre-season's pre-season. They took Sydney FC to penalties with 10 men for 60 minutes in the, in the uh, Australia Cup. Uh, And I actually think you know people might say I'm biased because it's my old club, but I think they'll they'll be a dark horse trying to push for Mm. top three. I
2: mean they've they have. You know, proven so many doubters wrong season on oh, season. Well, now it, a,
0: it is hard to. to they not. had a pretty good season last year, yeah, except no, for the end. Exactly, yeah, that's yeah, exactly
2: yeah. what I'm saying. The, we, I mean, and we had the chance, George, last week on this program, yeah, yeah. To, to speak to, to Monty. Monty for he was great. He was an hour. He's someone we rate very highly. As he gave a, as us a coach. an hour last
0: week, uh, Daniel. That just goes to show you what a professional he is. Mm-hmm. He didn't yeah. blink. He just gave us everything we asked for, and then some. Mm. He gave us a sense of some of the great characters that uh, are going to make that dressing room so very special. You know how important a dressing room is, yeah, a hundred
1: percent. And yeah, you, you also get-
0: know from both yeah. a coaching per- perspective and as a playing perspective, you've got to you've got to tell me your first dressing room in Romania. What <laughs> in heavens? Can you remember that far back?
1: I can, oh, yeah. It wasn't a long time ago, that I can remember. Um, what language really, were you speaking? I, well, I was speaking <laughs> English and trying to learn Romanian, uh, and there was probably one or two guys in the team that spoke English. Um, it was a lot of hand signals, a lot of gestures, <laughs> a lot of uh, uh, winks and nods. And oh, wow. Look, the first six weeks I was in Romania, I learned quickly to t- say all the, all the things you need to talk on on a football field. And then I became fluent probably after three months of everything on the field, you know, left, right, mark up, come here. Uh, and then we'd go and have a coffee after, and I'd sit there in silence because I had no idea. You didn't so, know how
0: to order a coffee.
1: Yeah, exactly. To be to be saved that I was thrown at the deep end was probably an understatement, but uh, it was a learning experience, a very quick learning experience from a, a boy who'd been living at home with his mum to move to Romania on his own was uh, wow. quite a step.
0: That takes an enormous Enormous leap of faith. Where were, were you a gambler? Are you? Did you believe? What? What was it that said? I can do Romania, no problem. Yeah, I, I just, can do Bucharest.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I wasn't even in Bucharest. I was three and a half hours no, uh, south oh my of Bucharest. Uh, look, I just sometimes I just think you get to a point, and and I've had it a few times in my life where you think something here's an opportunity that I might not get. Uh, and it could lead to something else. And for me, it did. It it led to eight years playing in Europe. Um, And sometimes I think at the spur of the moment, you just get to go with your gut. And let let me say, it wasn't all roses when I was in Romania. It was, um, you know, I wasn't getting paid at times and it was very hard with the language and et cetera. But for me, I think it made me grow as a human being. And as a person, got to see a very different culture and the differences of, you know, um, a society where it was the mega rich, the mega poor and not many in between uh, yeah, so i true. think i grew up with it, and that gave me put me in good stead going forward
0: were you there when they built that magnificent palace
1: that, i'm not that old come on
0: i'm sorry i'm <laughs> oh, sorry i'm sorry they, that was they, already there they used they, they called it his folly and when you go and see it like it has about a thousand rooms it's yeah. it's extraordinary i i don't know just fascinates me that you had the courage. Uh, Talk about cutting the umbilical cord. Just fantastic. Well done to you. Um, From there, you were, what was it, Scotland, then uh, the English League with Scunthorpe?
1: Yeah, yeah. Went over to Scotland for a couple of years. Ended up in England down at Scunthorpe and then
0: injuries. What was Scotland like for a a good Aussie boy?
1: Do you know what? I loved it. (laughs) I loved it. Um, Got there. The people were beautiful. Yeah. Ways accommodating. The, on the days off, I'd just go off and drive in the countryside. Uh, it was a beautiful place. Um, and we played some good football. Uh, Russell Latapi, who's now the assistant at MacArthur, he was a teammate of mine at Falkirk for a couple of years. Um, and every training session, he'd say, come on, Danny boy, let's go a couple of beers. And I'm like, <laughs> Russell, you've got the runs on the board, mate. I can't have a beer every day like you. But um it was it was a beautiful place, mate. I really enjoyed my time there.
2: I hope you haven't just said that because I pinned my Scotland colours to the mast, ferry. <laughs> no, no, he believes it.
0: He believes it. He believes it.
2: Uh, it's the truth. It's the truth. Hey, Daniel, could I ask quickly about the uh, the the Falkirk Stadium? Because I, I'm, you know, I've been I've been to that ground before uh, to to watch a, a Hearts game, actually, uh, away. Um, and I was quite taken with that, that sort of design. It's one of those stadiums that hasn't got like the full enclosed space. It's sort of 50-50. Yeah. Is that the kind of ground that maybe... We could do more Yeah, of? As, as A-League teams potentially make a play for their own infrastructure that, that we could experiment with?
1: Look, I'm a massive fan of having stadiums for the size of the venue uh, for the for the crowd that you're going to have. Yep. If you have a smaller stadium for a smaller crowd, you'll have a greater a- a atmosphere. You'll gra- create a want to come back, a more demand to get to the stadiums, and then from there you can expense, expand on your stadiums. Now, funny story is with the Falkirk one is apparently they put the uh, – they got the grant to fill the stadium all around, and then they realised that there was some kind of manufacturing plant or a chemical plant not far from it that actually – that side of the stadium that doesn't have a stand actually just crossed the line where you weren't allowed to build in. Oh,
2: so I hate when that happens.
1: <laughs> uh, that's why they didn't have the stand on the other side, not because of that's all they were going for, but then they realised we're not allowed to build that there. So ah. it was a, a sort of a, a so, weird one. So a
0: covenants uh, on that ground – Created yeah. the mystical happy, and wonderful result that uh, that um, you know yeah, Lockie's so excited it. about. Well,
2: it's just funny because I remember the discussions in, in the off season about you know potential training bases and stadium builds for Western United. Maybe only having three grandstands instead of four and being fully enclosed. And my immediate thought was like, "Hey, that's Falkirk. That's exactly what I'm thinking of." There you go. There you well, go. It's,
1: uh, it's Mariner Stadium, isn't it? Let's yeah. Be honest, one of the best stadiums in Australia, in my opinion.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: bang on, bang on. Speaking of opinions, uh, you played in Hong Kong, you played in China. Um, yeah. w- w- take us, ju- just take us on a bit of a journey. Uh, what did you learn from those different communities? And has is the is the actual football very different in each country?
1: Yeah, it is definitely. The, um, so
0: the playing is very different. In each and every country, huh?
1: It is, and and a lot of that can be resources. It can be culture, but it yep. also can just come down to being weather. So when I was playing in Shanghai, we used to play at nine nine forty five at night because the temperature was forty two degrees in the day, and it would get down to thirty nine at night. So we'd be playing at you know quarter to ten. Um, so obviously, straight away, you can imagine the game were uh, were a very slow, much slower paced game. Um, similar to when we play through the summer in Australia, you've got to think about the conditions the players are in. Now, if you're going to play through the middle of a a European winter, um, you're going to run all day because you'll want to run to keep warm, let alone (laughs) alone be too hot. Um, So I think there's a lot of factors that make the the, the football different in each country. And culturally, um, Asians was very technical. They wanted very technical players. I thought they were probably a little less... um, enamoured with the tactical side of things, where in Australia I think we're very tactically aware, tactically astute, and there's a lot of real uh, students of the game tactically. Um, so there's these little different nuances when you go to different countries and it, and, it, and it gives a completely different product.
0: Well, we've got a very new product coming up. It's uh, season 2223 of the A-League and uh, the sponsors have come on board. Uh, some new sponsors have come on uh, to showcase their wares and I can remember that uh, last year this time last year we we're talking about a new car company called Cooper, and mm-hmm. now now it's being adopted by about four or five other agencies so the brand's are building and we've got uh, we're going to catch up with the um, MD of Melbourne Victory shortly Um, Caroline Carnegie and she's going to talk to us about the power of their new sponsorship deal and and that's a brand new name to Australia and to the league which is exciting what are the games that have actually uh, taken your fancy even before we start Daniel?
1: Well you look First round, and I think we've started off with a bang on Friday night, tomorrow yep, night.
0: True. The grand final, grand final replay. Don't say grand final replay. <laughs> Why it's, not? It's it not. That's- no, no, no. Unless we're in a grand final, it can't be a grand final
2: uh, replay. I, I've tried to talk George down to premiers versus champions, it just, just, just <laughs> to put him at ease. Just to put him at ease. Let's do it.
1: Champion, champions versus premiers. There you go. Beauty. <laughs>
2: oh,
0: on you. On you.
1: Much better. Yeah, um, it should but, be and a yeah, great game. It should be. Look, for all the clubs, the first game they want to put out a marquee. Preseason ever in Australia, it's very long um, and we're spread out. So sometimes you, you you don't really know too much about some teams because they haven't played too many games. But we're starting with a big blue. We're starting with an F3 derby. Um, and what you can't ask for more than that. Let's get the big games. Let's get the, the crowds back in the, in the stadiums. You know, Sydney's back at Allianz. Um, Western Sydney are in their Combank Stadium, which is fantastic. And I think Knicks are back at home in their country, which they haven't pretty much done for two years. What amazing. So I think some big crowds over there, and they're oh. obviously historically a tough team to beat over there. So there's plenty, of, plenty of positives for this season. And um, I think getting back to normality and structure and everyone knowing when the games are on and when they can turn up and, and turning up in their droves to support football. And there's been some really good signings as well. So uh, I can't wait, to be honest. I'm excited.
0: There's also been an exodus from the east to the west. Uh, a crop of young footballers have decided to uh, pin their, their reputations to the uh, Perth glory mast. That That's going to sound... Uh, like a, a very different journey, and it, and could be a very exciting one.
1: Yeah, look, Ruben Zakovic is uh, having his first year in full year in charge. A young coach uh, came in last year, and when he f- came in, basically just played the youth and said, "Show me what you got, guys. We want to play young Perth players." <laughs> he's kept a few. A few have left. The few have been picked up by other clubs, but he's done really good recruitment in my eyes. He's got some some a good mixture of youth and some experience. He's got a couple of players from overseas. Ryan Williams back. Um, from overseas as well. So I think he'll be looking to um, make a statement this year after finishing on the bottom of the table. And they're playing the first six games away from home. That's the the downside. But then they go back and they're playing out of Macedonia Stadium in Perth as their stadium's being upgraded for the Women's World Cup. And I think that could have a galvanising effect for the glory. You know, a smaller stadium, crowds, as we just said, packing in, getting on top of the players, and opposition teams might not like going there.
0: Yeah. Yes, yes, the the bullring, eh? The you actually feel the pressure. You can feel the uh, the the twelfth. What is it? The twelfth player?
2: The twelfth twelfth man? Yeah. The twelfth man? Yes. I'd be reticent to call it the bullring. There, you might be stealing some Macarthur IP. There, they might have oh, that. <laughs> man, I was just I was just going back to a place in South Africa, <laughs> and and
0: thinking, you know, cricketing uh, greats have played the bullring. It, you know, there are, no one place, no one group can claim that much IP. Eh? Just think about that. Mm. <laughs> but Daniel, um, we're super excited. The fact that um, there's the season is upon us, as you touched on earlier. It's it's a humongously long preseason, but in some respects, it had to be this way in order to set us up for what promises to be a truly exciting one. And uh, we wish you every success for the brand new season. Uh, I hope we can get back to you throughout the season and talk to you about how you see the competition going on and which teams are making the biggest impact. Uh, which game are you calling or, or are you moving around and doing as many as you can?
1: Uh, well, I'll be on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. This week wow. This week. What are they <laughs> saying? I love and that. It's
2: professionalism. Yeah, something,
0: something, no rest <laughs> wicked. No like rest that. for the wicked <laughs> is right. <laughs> Daniel McBreen, it's been a delight uh, having you on. And uh, uh, once again, great to know that uh, there's a little Burnley in that boy. <laughs> But deep down, but deep down, he spent he spent a lifetime in this country showcasing his talents to the world. Daniel McBreen, thank you for joining us on FNR.
1: Thanks for having me, guys, and I'll see you through the season. You Thanks. got
0: it. All been good luck.